Uh, our, our strategy, people ask us, what was your strategy in starting the church? Our strategy was what I like to call desperation church planning. <laughs> Any idea I heard, we did, mm. if we could afford it. And that's what we did. We just did whatever it took because we knew with the funds we had, if we didn't start meeting and have people that were going to come to the church, we'd have to turn around and go back to Oklahoma. And so we started knocking on doors, and the fourth door we came to, I'll never forget the guy, his name's Fred, and we led him to Christ right there on his front doorstep, the fourth door we knocked on. Wow. And that one interaction with that, that guy, Fred, I would say it charged up all of us guys for like an entire month. Wow. Where we were just like, it was like God saying to us, you're right where I want mm-hmm. you to be. You're listening to the Send Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are Sin City missionary Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst Jason Phillips. Welcome back to the Sin Columbus podcast. I'm Jason Phillips, your Columbus CPC. I am joined by Chad Grigsby, our Sin City missionary. Hi, Chad. Jason. How are you? Happy podcast day. Happy podcast day. <laughs> Chad, how are, you, how are you feeling? Because the last time we did a podcast, it yeah. ended with you going to the ER. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling much better today than I was that day. Or yesterday. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been having some migraines. Uh, and this one uh, had some kind of um, stroke symptoms with it. Weird. I was not having a stroke, though. I no. just had a really bad migraine. Yeah. So I spent a you know, couple hours at the ER, and then they gave me some drugs and sent me home. Well, it was pretty weird because you went to the ER that day, and then like three days later, I was in the ER. That's right. <laughs> That's How right. does that happen? Yeah. Getting seven stitches in my leg for a ping pong accident. For being so, overly competitive at ping pong. Yeah, former youth pastor, and you can't, can't help it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Today we are joined by legendary. Legendary. Church French planter. vanilla connoisseur, <laughs> Ben York. Ben, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be here. I will say, uh, I think that Jason, your energy, your injury is a lot more manly than Chad's. <laughs> That's really true. And I, and I Chad say had a that, headache. I say that his headaches yeah. compared to your ping pong injury <laughs> and last week, my volleyball injury. Yeah. You know, I'm oh, gonna, yeah. you're going to have to step up your game. Yeah, why don't you tell us about your volleyball injury? Well, I was playing a very competitive game of volleyball with, uh, I, I call my best friend. He was the best man at my wedding. He's a youth pastor, uh, actually associate pastor now down in Chillicothe. And I was with his family down there uh, outside of Chillicothe. We got into a big family game and his family's <laughs> very competitive and me and him are very competitive back and forth. And uh, I just pushed my body a little bit too hard. This church planter body can't move <laughs> like it once did. Yeah, church planting. So really takes my injury was in chill uh, coffee as well. Really? Which is which? So the same weekend. I think so. we should decide yeah. never to go back to chill coffee. Yeah. I have no choice. My my wife's family lives in chill coffee, but yeah, I, you uh, still have a choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just um, use this as an excuse. My wife listens to this podcast, so okay. <laughs> she actually did the intro, so yeah. it's 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 interesting because I do feel like there's a certain age. We were talking about this earlier, where you just can't do physical activity at the drop of a hat anymore, yep. especially competitive sporting things, yep. and go 100 percent without some type of bodily uh, injury. So you guys have demonstrated that you are the age for me is 38. <laughs> 
I'm 10 years younger and I still can't do it. So although I was telling Chad, I don't know if I ever had the ability to just jump in and do it. Yeah, I'm sure there's a scale like how athletic you were, you know, younger, how what's your natural athletic bent and things like that. Mm-hmm. But gosh, I've definitely reached that age and surpassed it. And I know now that I don't don't exert myself in any physical way. <laughs> I, think, I do think of. what you mentioned, being a youth pastor extends that period I for normal people by about 10 years, but that's okay. it. No, yeah, and I think it. youth I pastors that. have like a weird like ability to just like turn on athleticism yeah. out of nowhere. Because like kids, they would be like so shocked when I would like destroy them at basketball. They're like, "You don't look like you'd be good at basketball." And I'm yeah. like, "Well, I'm a youth pastor. That's it. So I can just turn it on yeah. right when I need go. to." And then if I played with a normal person, I would get my my butt whooped. But it's, it's the spiritual it's, gift from God of embarrassing is. teenagers. Yeah, that mm. that we thrive in. Yeah, God. Field. Well, and I think God know. wants you to look cool. <laughs> I think he does. For I'm those sure it's kids. in the Bible uh, somewhere. I think it is yeah. in the Bible somewhere. I don't know where it is. God wants well, you to look cool. I was never a student pastor, so I I can't speak to this. That's well, really thus true. the headaches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, then we're super excited to have you on as a legendary, very experienced uh, church planter. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your church planting journey and guide church? Well, I, I think I first have to mention why you guys keep calling me the legendary church planter. <laughs> you don't have to. We no, can just you don't. Leave it I think it's there. good. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't want to leave it out there because I think <laughs> it gives me a bad reputation that I think I'm a legendary church planter. You're, you're the one who said it. I was so. the one that said it. It was at a church <laughs> planter's assessment, which we do all the time here in Send Columbus. And uh, I, I mean, I don't want to say we're great at it, but. We're kind of great at it. Um, and, and they have everybody stand up, introduce themselves, and everybody was like, oh, I'm pastor of this church, I'm the pastor of this church, or I started this mm-hmm. church. And boring. It seemed a little boring to me, yep. so I thought I'd mix it up. As a former preacher's kid as well, um, there is a tendency to to want to make things a little bit more exciting sometimes. Um, and so I said, I am Ben York, legendary church planner, because yeah. it had us listed as experienced church planner, so right. I feel like I had to take it to the next level. Yeah. And you did that, um, but I, hopefully, in in my story, you'll you'll see uh, a bit of legend. Um, and this was the first time I'd met you. Uh, I w- I'd been in Columbus. So you thought he was really humble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I saw the humility. I've been in Columbus <laughs> seven days, and so that made a mark on me. So I've just mm-hmm. called you Ben York, legendary church planter, yeah. ever since. Well, let me let me. I'll tell my story, <laughs> and you can you guys can tell me whether or not it's legendary worthy or not. Um, so we actually. It's, it's called parachute planting. We parachuted into Ohio from Oklahoma. Mm. And a lot of people, the first question they typically ask us is, why Columbus, Ohio? Specifically, why Hilliard, Ohio? We're on the west side of Columbus. And uh, the reason for that, I always say, short answer is God, because mm. he can just kind of make you go wherever he wants you to go. Um, but the long answer is, uh, I was a preacher's kid growing up. I was actually a church planter's kid growing up. My dad had planted a church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. He planted before it was cool then. Planted Kalamazoo. long before it was cool at all, and back when it was very difficult. I mean, he started the church in his garage, mm. um, straight out of Bible college. Wow. And, um, and so Kalamazoo, Michigan is where I was born. I didn't live there for very long. I think it actually took probably five years into church planning here in Columbus to tell anybody I was born in Michigan because of the <laughs> rivalry with Michigan and Ohio State. Right. But uh, after that, uh, my dad became a pastor of a church in Texas. We moved to Texas. So I went south, and I stayed south for a long time, uh, one year in Oklahoma after that. And then I spent most of my life in northwest Arkansas, mm-hmm. which, of course, um, 
Chad is very familiar with. Mm-hmm. I lived in the Ozarks, though, in the literal mountains. Right. In a holler. Yeah. As, as it's called for our listeners that are very urban uh, focused. <laughs> it's the space between uh, two mountains. Yeah. And so that's that's where I grew up in a holler as a preacher's kid of a very small church that my dad was the pastor of. Um, my junior year, I moved to Oklahoma and then went into, uh, surrendered to Bible college at a church camp and uh, then went into ministry after that in youth ministry for seven years. Hmm. And while in youth ministry, um, I actually went back to what I consider my home church in Chickasha, Oklahoma. Hmm. And that's worth noting, very important metropolitan city of Chickasha, <laughs> 30,000 people. Um, Chickasha fighting chicks, very intimidating mascot. Wow. That's a very creative mascot. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they weren't they really... Were. Yeah. You don't want to mess with a fighting chick. Yeah. They're pretty, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're pretty intense. That's actually true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Country folk out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, but after being in Chickasha uh, as a youth pastor for five years, about the last year we were there, we started the church's very first small group. Now, the church before was just Sunday school, kind of old-fashioned mm. uh, style. And, uh, and so we started the first small group. And in that small group, me and my wife were challenged by a single verse in the book of Hebrews that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mm-hmm. We, were at a, we were at a growing church. We had just built brand new facilities. I had an entire youth building to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I had complete freedom. The pastor gave me the, the freedom to do whatever I wanted to do. We had just bought our first house. We had just had our first child. We were very comfortable in ministry, and that verse, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I evaluated where I was at through that verse and found, you know, really, I was very comfortable in ministry, but we weren't taking steps of faith. Mm. And that's when God began to work on me and my wife's heart, the idea of church planting. And and uh, so we began to pray f- about it. We originally thought we were going to go to another country and plant churches, um, scheduled a trip to go to another country, and just did not have a peace at all. Uh, very quick in that process and felt like God was saying he wanted us to go somewhere here in America. And because me and my wife were from different places and moved around quite a bit, um, we really felt like that meant we could go anywhere. And so we were looking at places, cities from New York City to Los Angeles and everywhere in between. And at that time, Columbus, Ohio was one of the fastest growing cities in America. And, and it was in our top 10 list. And we began mm. to pray over these different cities and study the demographics. If you're listening to this and uh, you're interested in Columbus or if you're interested in church planting, you know exactly that feeling where you're looking at all the statistics of the area. You're looking at the type of people and places, you know, different things like that. I even studied aerial photography of Columbus. That's how you just kind of fall in love with the city is a weird thing uh, as a church planter. Um, but we finally decided, okay, we're going to take a road trip up to Columbus, and we did that. And a pastor up in Marysville uh, actually suggested to me, man, that Hilliard area, he said, really does not have very many churches at all. You should go check it out. And uh, and so we drove down to check out Hilliard the next day. We got off on Hilliard Rome Road and started going north. And up to that point, it was statistics and information but when we began to drive up that road, I still remember just a peace. I didn't hear a voice. I didn't, you know, see a, a cross in the sky or anything like that. But I just felt a peace like, this is home. This is it. This is the place. And uh, and so my wife wasn't with me on that trip. I, I went back home and I said, I think I found the place. And 
she she said, okay, I'm 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 with you 100%. Let's do this. I went to my dad. I said, Dad, I think God's called me to plant a church. I think it's going to be Columbus, Ohio. Um, and he looked at me and he said, don't tell your pastor. <laughs> and I said, Dad, come on now. Man, my pastor, he'll be with us 100%, and mm-hmm. he wants to support us, and he'll be he'll have our back. And he said, don't tell him. And I said, whatever. And I, I went and told my pastor that week. And I said, here's my plan. I want to build a team for a year, raise funds for a year, and mm. then go and plant this church. In the meantime, I can continue to be the youth pastor and all that. And he said, uh, Ben, if you really want to plant a church, go plant a church. You have four months. Mm. And two months later, my second oldest child was born. So mm. we had a two-month-old mm. and a team of seven people um, when we drove a 1,000 miles with all of our stuff from Oklahoma all the way up to Ohio. Uh. We couldn't even afford to live in Hilliard. It was such an expensive area, and we had absolutely no funds whatsoever. I think we started the church on $10,000, and a lot of that was moving expenses for the moving truck and different things like that. Uh. So we actually shared a house in Hilliard with another family that came with us to start the church. Uh. They worked jobs. They paid half the rent, and then we paid the other half the rent with a few churches that were supporting us. Uh. And so... So wow. for a whole year, we lived with this other family that was a part of our church, and we were close to them, um, but we had two kids. They didn't have any kids. They were just a young couple, uh-huh. and, uh, and I remember uh, the moment once our whole team got up here. I brought two brothers with me, too, to start the church, and so that was our team of seven people, uh-huh. and I remember us sitting in our living room. We had all just moved up here. It was the very next day after we had all moved into our places, different apartments, and, uh, and they were sitting in my living room and they looked at me and they said, okay, we're here. What do we do now? And, uh, I said, okay, um, tomorrow, uh, us guys are going to go out in pairs of two and we're going to start right next door, right here. And we're going to knock on every door and we're just going to say, Hey, we're starting a brand new church. We're excited about it. We want you to be a part of it. Um, and then before we leave every house, we would just ask them you died today, what would happen to you? Simple question. We're not going to argue with people, you know, but we're just going to ask them and see if it opens up an opportunity. And uh, I know a lot of church planters that could be listening now or even former church planters are saying, that's the wrong way to start a church. But for us, we didn't know. Like we, uh, our, our strategy, people ask us, what was your strategy in starting the church? Our strategy was what I like to call desperation church planning. <laughs> Any idea I heard, we did, mm. if we could afford it. And that's what we did. We just did whatever it took because we knew with the funds we had, mm. if we didn't start meeting and have people that were going to come to the church, we'd have to turn around and go back to Oklahoma. Mm. And so we started knocking on doors. And the fourth door we came to, I'll never forget the guy. His name's Fred. Um, we invited him to come to the church. He was somewhat interested. We asked him, if you died today, you know that you would go to heaven. And he said, no, I got no clue. And I said, well, can I show you? And uh, this was before the three circles. We use the three circles now. So back then, we just had the good old-fashioned Romans yeah, the four, road. the four spiritual laws. The four spiritual laws <laughs> or, or the four grounds. Or, you know, young everybody know has, this is. <laughs> everybody has different strategies. Ours was just the simple old-fashioned Romans road. The Bible. Yeah, the Bible. <laughs> it's a great book. Um, and we led him to Christ right there on his front doorstep, the fourth door we knocked on. Wow. And that one interaction with that, that guy, Fred, I would say it charged up all of us guys for like an entire month. Wow. Where we were just like, it was like God saying to us, 
you're right where I want mm-hmm. you to be. And it was just like pure momentum from that point. We, man, we hit every door in the entire neighborhood. Um, and, and, and since then, I've had a lot of church planners say, well, sh- you know, should we knock on people's doors, as it's called? Because, you know, some people consider it aggressive evangelism. Um, we just didn't know any better. And I will say this, walking the streets of the city and knocking on doors created a love in mm. us, in our heart for the city that we had, we had moved to, mm. uh, to reach. And, and so for us, it was, it was necessary and it was an important start. And I'll often say it's like miracle growth for church planning because it'll connect you to people. Some of those people are not part of our church today, but at the start, man, we just needed anybody mm-hmm. to kind of reach out to and to talk to. And we had our first public services two months after being in Columbus. Wow. wow. That's crazy. So there you go. And That's, you had a four-month-old at that point? At uh, that yeah. point, yeah, four-month-old baby, and then my, my daughter as well. Um, that was about two or three at that time. A lot of transitions. That is all Yep. That. Well, now you're... Ten year, ten years later, it'll be ten years this fall. Our church will be ten years old. Crazy, so, and yeah. you got two campuses. I think we were about two hundred people as a church when we decided. You know what? We want to reach a different uh, area of the city that we were actually in, mm-hmm. and we weren't able to get in front of those people. We got to do something to get in front of them so that they have to deal with us. And so we used the campus model to actually evangelize and to to reach out to. Uh, a part of our own city that just wasn't being reached mm-hmm. um, by our church. I would say when we originally started the church, my model uh, idea was like a Sam's Club model. Hmm. Start a church in Hilliard, then start a church on the east side, then start a church on the north side, then on the south side. And But the truth was I'd never lived in a big metropolitan city like Columbus before. And I found after starting our church here in Columbus that um, we had to change our, our model to more like a Kroger model, mm. like every neighborhood, because ah. there are people in the next neighborhood over that never even heard of our church mm. and that are, we have no impact on at all. Mm. And so that's kind of where we changed our model. And we've, we've had a lot of success in that. I really love that. I do, because I think, I, I don't think there's a ton of people doing that of thinking, um, man, you know, they think if we planted another church or planted a campus, it'd be completely other side of the city. Mm-hmm. But I, I even thought about, uh, we. I think we even talked about it, our Sin Network gathering a strategy of trying to get toward more toward Columbus. What if every church plant planted one community closer to the city? Yeah. You know, and if we did that and then did it again, you know, we'd, we'd be, so I think there's a lot to that, one community away, even in the same community, but another demographic of people. I really love that strategy. I think a lot of church plants could do that before they could plant on the other side of the city. Yeah, I think a part of the challenge of that is, so how we do it right now, I speak at both locations. I think the fear and why a lot of churches don't do that is because of the idea, number one, of losing people. And that doesn't matter, you know, where you plant a church. That's always going to be a fear for pastor. We'll lose people. People are leaving our church. The best people in our church are leaving our church a lot of times, which, you know, I think, you guys have probably talked about that before, and uh, a great book, um, "Lose Gaining by Losing," uh, by J.D. Greer is mm-hmm. is is an excellent book that you know kind of talks about actually it's helping your church when you send out mm-hmm. and start new churches, um, but the view of reaching an area of the city you're currently in, 
number one, by multiplying, you're forcing some people that didn't step up and take leadership roles before to have that opportunity. And then it doesn't, you know, in some ways it doesn't soften or it does kind of soften the idea of, okay, we're going to plant a church and we're asking 50, 20 to 50 people in our church to move to a different state or to move, you know, to to quit all their jobs. Well, in some ways you don't have to do that if it's just another mm-hmm. community over. But it's very important um, that you stay on the same page, both of those churches, because my fear was that we would start that and then it's like, well, I'm upset here at the North Campus. I'm going to the South Campus, you know, mm-hmm. like this next Sunday. And speaking at both of them, you know, if they got mad at me, they couldn't run away from me because <laughs> you're, you're, you're everywhere. You're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm watching them. Yeah. And inviting people to your house for Bible study. So were you able to convince the church to get you a private jet or a helicopter? <laughs> private jet for <laughs> or, the uh, five mile trip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, helicopter. No, I maybe? do have an entourage. They have a limousine that kind of takes me back. And no, I'm just kidding. That doesn't happen. <laughs> I use Waze, and it shows me where all the police officers are at. (laughs) There you go. That's awesome. Well, being the legend that you are in church planting, what are some practices that you kind of put into place that have helped guide church to continue to grow and to thrive? So I think in church planting, not only does your church change, but the planter and the pastor has to change and adapt. Obviously, COVID just recently, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this with other planters uh, to nausea, but uh, COVID affected our churches and you had to really adapt. You had to be Mm -hmm. adaptable. Church Mm -hmm. planting, you have to be adaptable. Mm -hmm. I would say the greatest changes in our church have not even been in strategy of doing things. It's been in me. Mm -hmm. The greatest changes in in our our church has been in me. And, And I heard this said, I think, throughout years of ministry. And, and I never really, I mean, I understood it, but like I never really took it seriously that when it comes to your preaching, you know, your preaching will always flow out of your personal time with God as a church planner. Okay. That's what, I mean, they beat that drum throughout assessment, throughout everything. Um, I didn't really understand how important that was. And uh, I have a tool now that I use where I'm, I've literally begun to investigate God's word and walk through it instead of just reading through it. Mm. And that has really transformed my ministry completely. It's transformed my value of the Bible as well. Mm. We have done some major events and uh, I'm not like, I meet a lot of great, very uh, inventive church planters that are doing different events like every single week. I'm not that um, uh, smart of a guy. So so we typically do sort of some foundational events, one in the spring, one in the fall, one in the summer, one in the winter. And that's kind of what we use as tools to get new people uh, to at least come into our building and give us an opportunity to tell them about Jesus and one of those events that we did early on was called the Easter Explosion, and the it's Easter kind of egg explosion. Yeah. explosion. The talk Easter about egg explosion. Talk about legendary. <laughs> yeah. So I came up with an idea that we should do something special the day before Easter, <laughs> and not a typical Easter egg hunt. Easter egg hunts nowadays, you throw the eggs in the ground, make the kids pick them up. You know, it's really inventive. Very. Well, now that you say that, that is basically what you do. <laughs> that is all. That's yeah. all they do. There's no yeah. excitement to it. Man, there was so much more vision 
when I was a kid. Yes. They used to yes. hide the Easter eggs like in trees. Mm-hmm. I remember one year I found the prize egg in a tailpipe of a car. Oh. Okay. You wouldn't see that so much it anymore. It's dangerous. Yeah. It's a touch yeah. dangerous, but yeah. it's also very visionary. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, we wanted to do something that wouldn't be as dangerous as that, but but really kind of spark the imagination of children. And yeah. so I said, let's build a giant egg and explode it with candy and eggs. And then somebody was like, you can't do that. And you're like, oh, no, so we no, will do- I never have a person on my team that says I can't do that. <laughs> um, that person is everything called, I say goes. Yeah. That's a pushback person. <laughs> yeah. I tried to remove those people from my team very early. Uh, um, I'm, I'm just kidding, but I'm kind of honestly being truthful there. Um, <laughs> So I said, yeah, we're going to do this. And my younger brother was on my team at that time, who's also a church planner now in Columbus, um, can build anything, it seems like. Mm. I remember we walked down the aisles of Home Depot saying, I think we can build a giant egg out of this. You know, like we were like chicken wire or like, yeah. you know, like yeah. little pieces, strips of wood. Well, the very next week after I, we had decided we're going to do this event, we don't know how, but we're going to do it. Um, I had met a brand new family that had come into our church or the school and uh, he owned a landscaping company, and he said, you know, I think my father-in-law can build you a giant wooden egg. He's about 86 years old, but he can build anything out of wood. And I said, all right, let's do this thing. And he built us a giant egg that is about 10 feet tall and about wow. 10 to 8 feet wide. And, uh, and so we had our egg. They even decorated the outside. looks like a giant egg. And uh, the first year... Uh, we all we had was a teenager and my younger brother inside the egg with <laughs> water pitchers filled with eggs and candy, and we played explosion sounds on speakers as they <laughs> kind of tossed out the candy over their heads, and uh, all the parents laughed at us, but the kids loved it. Yeah, we had a thousand people come to that uh, wow. that that event, and I told our team I said we're gonna have a thousand people come. We couldn't even afford postage to mail out postcards mm. for that event, so we just walked to every door and stuck them in the doors. Um, but we had a thousand people come out to this event. Um, and it was, it was like the Sunday before, I think we had about 20 to 30 people in our church. Easter Sunday, we had over 300 that first year. Whoa. That's crazy. And we saw 30 people, uh, saved on Easter Sunday. And, and that really kind of put, uh, the fuel on our fire early on. We were about four or five months old at that time. Unbelievable. And it's just built up since then. Now it's like pyrotechnics. They have a they have these air-compressed cannons that shoot out <laughs> eggs 30, 40 feet in the air. They have a panel where they push buttons, and it's like, you know, yeah. like it's just kind of a really cool thing now. And uh, we had about 5,000 people come to the explosion just a couple weeks ago. for When, Dave when you say egg explosion, I just think of like dynamite in yeah. the egg yeah, um, and, and pieces of wood hitting, hitting children and... Well, as dangerous so a, as that's this, what I meant by you can't sounds, do that. You know, you can't blow up an egg well, with dynamite. In some ways, the kids they're supposed to be held back and out of the blast radius of where the eggs and candy lands. <laughs> this year, radius. our our uh, oh. people keeping the kids back weren't great. That's awesome. So some of them ran so up to good. the egg and were pelted with candy and eggs this year. So <laughs> Worth it was it. A, it was a touch dangerous. Worth it. Well, Ben, thanks so much for joining us. I know we didn't get to all of our questions, but that was an awesome podcast. Uh, you start getting me talking, and uh, it's it's time's gone. Yeah, that's we, all right. This group, this <laughs> Maybe there needs to be a part okay. two. We I, might need I to do a part two. I, <laughs> this group doesn't struggle at all with no, talking. talking. No. Plenty of material. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate having you. 
Let's do it again. Yeah, we'll do it again. We're grateful for your legendary hearted wisdom on this. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, every church is a multiplying church in the making.